Well, if you have your Bibles, open them up to James chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verse 1 through 12, and how we can bless with our words instead of cursing with our words. We want to be a blessing to people. We want to use our words the way God wants us to use our words. Now, if you were with us last week, you know that one of the things that James tells us is that if you can control your tongue, you are a perfect person able to control everything. So we know that our tongue is not always used the way it should be used. But I, I often think about this, where there's great peril, there's great opportunity. If there's a certain situation where nobody is functioning correctly, what an awesome opportunity for you to go in and be different and how you'll stand out. If you discipline yourself to use your words the way God wants you to, because it's so easy to fail and to fall short. One of the things that we need to think about is that God has poured out his mercy in our life. And as believers, we should always reflect God's mercy in the way that we talk to people and in the way that we talk about people. And so this is a very important thing. And the tongue is powerful. It is such a powerful thing. And it's something that we actually have to create habits for how we think and how we talk. And I, I remember in my early years of ministry, there was this kid, and his name was Mike. And I remember he came to youth group, and he was sitting in the front row, and he was just talking, like we're trying to lead worship, and he's just carrying on this big, long conversation. He's right in the front row. And so me and one of the other youth leaders was looking down, and they, they started saying, hey, Mike. Mike, and the kid just, he just was not responding. He just kept talking. And so he just randomly went through names. And finally he said, Frank, and this kid turned around. He goes, Frank, be quiet. <laughs> and this kid, Frank, it wasn't his name. His name was not Frank. It was something else. But that was what, he, he was a junior higher, new in youth group. He got renamed Frank after that day. <laughs> but one of the things I think about with this kid is he struggled so much with his words Everything he said was negative. Everything he said was a criticism. And so we actually came around. He ended up being, I mean, just when I think back over the years, one of the kids I just loved the most. We enjoyed hanging out together. But we started off by just saying, we got to help you work on your words. And everybody picked on him. His life was challenging. But part of it was because he was just so offensive with the things he would say to people. And so one of the things that we did was I made him memorize this verse. And it was actually, I exercised my authority as the youth pastor, and I just said, you have, to, you have to memorize this verse, and every single time you say something negative to somebody, you're going to have to recite this verse. What was amazing was that over that course of the year, about 40 kids memorized this verse. They just heard him say it so often. <laughs> so let's just look at this verse. What a, what a powerful, important verse. And this is what it says, let no corrupting, that is unwholesome, rotten, or worthless, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So as Christians, we are to have no harmful words. The words that we say are supposed to be helpful and do you see the proper timing in there? It's not just what you say, but it's when you say it and it's how you say it. So we need to have good timing with our words. And our words, we should use them to impart a gift into people's lives. Now, if we as Christians, if we think about this and if we apply what we're going to learn this morning in our life, 
You will be such a blessing in your marriage, in your family, to your kids, kids to your parents, the, the places where you work, your friendships, your neighborhood. What an amazing testimony you will be. What an amazing representation of Christ you will be if you wor- use your words correctly. We all know that words are important, right? We've heard that phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. What we should say is sticks and stones may break, break my bones, but words can really hurt me. Uh, words are powerful. And there's an accountability because Jesus tells us that on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word. That's an amazing consideration. That's in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. And if you read that whole passage, that whole context of that, it's to some degree, it's because your words reflect your heart and what comes out of your heart reflects actually your salvation. And if you think about this whole book of James and kind of his flow of thought, James is really passionate that we understand what it means to be a genuine believer, to really know Christ, and that as Christians, we are living that out properly. And that's kind of one of the things that you see throughout the whole book of James. Do you really know the Lord? And are you living the way God wants you to live? And our words are part of that reflection. However, that doesn't mean that if you're a Christian, you always do and say the right things. So, Um, This morning, we're going to see that our tongues, we need to use our tongues to bless those who are made in God's image. So four things we're going to learn this morning. The first one is this, that your tongue represents your heart. Your tongue represents your life. So we're going to learn that. The second thing is that your tongue is very powerful. And so we'll see the power of the tongue. And then these next two, they kind of go without saying but an uncontrolled tongue can cause tremendous damage and harm. And a tongue that is used properly is an incredible blessing. And so we want to think those things through. We want to look exactly at what James says about this. Now, this is something I really thought about as I was studying this passage this week, is it just made me wonder, what was it like to grow up in the house with Jesus? And I think about the fact that Jesus was James' older brother. And I'm sure that Jesus, as they were growing up, was trying to be a spiritual help and a spiritual encouragement to his little brother. And so I'm sure he talked to him about things. And when you read the book of James, one of the things that's, that's kind of amazing is how similar what James says is to the things that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. But the thing that I find interesting is that he's not quoting from the Sermon on the Mount. Like he says things that are almost the same, but he says them in different ways. And and as I think about, well, how, how does that happen? How is it that as you read the book of James, it's so similar to Jesus, but it's not a quote? And I think it's because James grew up with Jesus, and as James, in his life, Jesus was teaching him things, and I don't think James was trying to quote Jesus. James was just saying the things that he had learned from Jesus. And I just think it's, it's awesome, and I think about how intense James is about this whole issue of the tongue. And I wonder how often 
did Jesus talk to him about his use of words? How often did Jesus talk to him about his tongue? And how often did he just blow him off as my crazy older brother? I don't care what you say. Don't tell me what to do. You know, mom and dad think you're the, you know, you're the favorite. You know, um, you know how, how did he respond in that way? And so what a powerful thing. And uh, I'm gonna, I'll show you some of what, we're going to look at what James says, but I'm going to throw in a few things there that Jesus says so you'll see how similar it is. So let's look at James chapter 3. And we'll start with verse 1 and 2, even though we taught on that last week. So last week, we really were coming down on teachers. Well, hopefully we weren't coming down on them, but we were lifting up. This is the responsibility you have as a person who represents Christ. But that was a part of a bigger section. So we're going to look at it all. Let's just look at this. James 3.1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle his whole body. And so one of the things that we were reminded of last week is that, in in a sense, there are official teachers, and there is greater accountability when you're in that position, and there's some reasons for that. But the other thing for us to keep in mind is that every single one of us is a teacher. If you're a parent, you teach your kids... If you have friends and you give your friends advice, you're a teacher. So to some degree and to a smaller degree, that applies to every single person. And what we learn is that teachers have a high accountability because they guide other people. Teachers have a high accountability because they know a lot and God expects people to do what they know. And teachers also talk a lot. And that creates a problem all by itself because we know where words are many, transgressions unavoidable. And so we all need to be faithful in what we're teaching. But I I just want to say one of the things that I think is such a great thing about the tongue and what Jesus says about the tongue is did you know, and I know you know this, that your tongue is a window into your heart. Have you ever heard people say, hey, you can't judge my heart. You can't see my heart. You don't know my heart. You ever heard anybody say that? But you know what the Bible tells us is actually you display your heart every time you talk. You display your heart in your behavior. So while you can't, maybe I can't judge your heart, but the thing is I listen to your words. But let me tell you something that's even more important than that is not whether other people are judging your heart, but what do your words tell you about your own heart? So let's just look at something that Jesus says here. In Luke chapter 6, verse 43, and this is so similar to what James is going to say. So it says here, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is known by its fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a brandle bush. So James is actually going to use grapes here, but he doesn't use the exact um, things that Jesus uses, but he actually says the same thing a little later. And then he goes on in verse 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of of the heart his mouth speaks. And then Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? 
So when you think about this phrase right here, Jesus just says, what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. In the whole context, Jesus is saying that if you are a saved, transformed person, that's going to come out of your life. It's going to show itself in what you say. And Jesus ends up by saying, why are you calling me Lord and you don't do what I say? That's being in submission to the Lord. And so then when you look at James's argument, he says the same thing. And that'll be kind of fun for you to see as we read through James. Now, one of the things that I love about words is that sometimes you can hear your words. It's like, you know how Jesus, uh, or I'm sorry, James says that God's word is a mirror that we're supposed to look into, and then it shows us who we are, and we're supposed to make adjustments. Well, God's word sets the standard, but the other part of the mirror is sometimes the things we say tell us about ourselves. There are times I've made some statements, and I think, man, that was a really dumb thing to say. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I just think, man, it just seemed so prideful, prideful at the moment that I said that. And then I think, well, <laughs> why did I say something that seemed prideful? Well, maybe I was prideful in that moment. Maybe that's why that came out that way. Or I've said something and later walked away and thought, you know, that was just such an insensitive thing to say. And then I just think, well, why did I say that? Well, I, okay, who was I thinking about in that moment? Me. And so sometimes as we look at our words, as we evaluate our words, they actually tell us something about ourselves. I'll never forget this super cute story. We have these really good friends. And when their daughter was about three years old, she's standing on a slide in a playground. And, and her mom's standing r right there next to her. And one of the kids that was on the playground ends up leaving. And so she's, she's just waving, bye, see you later. And the little kid's running off, bye. And then she goes, looks over to her mom, I can't stand that kid. <laughs> and uh, it's like, you expect that kind of thing out of an adult, not a three-year-old. <laughs> That's one of the things is that sometimes we try to control our words. We try to control the things that we say but we're not actually trying to deal with our heart. We're tr not actually trying to deal with how we feel. And it's not that we shouldn't exercise discipline over our words, but you will never have victory in that way. You'll only have victory when you address the issues in your heart. Then those things will come out of your words. So your tongue reflects your heart. There's a second thing here, and that is that the tongue is powerful. The tongue is powerful. Look at James chapter 3, verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. They are so large and driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. One of the things that I love about James is that he talks about things that we can see and that we can relate to. When Michelle and I were, uh, went on our honeymoon, we went to Hawaii after we got married, and we went horseback riding. And they put me on this horse that it didn't like me, and it kept going over to a tree and was trying to rub me off on the tree. <laughs> Like it's, and, and so I just like, and the other thing this horse was doing was that it was biting me. It was trying to bite my leg. So every time it came around, I probably shouldn't tell the story, but every time its leg came around to bite my, to bite my leg, I kicked it in the mouth really hard, <laughs> straightened its head out. 
And when it was trying to rub me off on the tree, I just grabbed the reins and I cranked its neck all the way around the other direction. And that horse like walked away from the tree. It was amazing how controlling that horse's mouth controlled its entire body. And so you tell a story like that, and James is talking about the power of the tongue, and you can relate to that. Or how about ships? I was thinking about sailing. Did you know that the fastest way to sail a boat is if the wind is blowing this way and you're sailing that way, like a 90-degree angle is where you get the, that's the fastest point of sail. And it's because the rudder, when the rudder is pushing the boat this way and the wind is blowing this way, it's just amazing how a, a tiny rudder controls where a ship goes, where a boat goes. And James uses these examples, the spark that starts a forest fire. So when I was new, when we first came to this country, if you don't know, I was born in South Africa. We moved here when I was like seven, right, probably right around, right before I be, turned eight. And me and this friend of mine went out into the desert. There was this big field and we were playing with matches. You know, parents always tell their kids, don't play with matches. That is so crazy. Matches are fun. And so we were out in the desert. We were playing with matches. And we were throwing these matches into this little barrel. But what we didn't realize is the bottom of the barrel had like a hole in it. We thought we were throwing fire into a contained area. And this fire starts coming out the side of this barrel. And I'm just thinking, okay, I'm going to throw dirt on that. I'm going to put that out. And my friend just is like, I'm out of here. And he runs. <laughs> and I just thought, I'm not staying here by myself. So I ran. And my parents should have known something was wrong because I ran in the house and said, is it nap time? <laughs> I'm, re I'm, re I'm ready to go take a nap. Yes, I was still taking naps at seven or eight years old. Well, I woke up from my nap and there was a fire captain and another fireman sitting in my living room with my with my parents, and luckily that other kid ran home and told his parents, hey, we started a fire. They called the fire department. It built, burned this entire field that was surrounded by houses. And what an incredible blessing that nobody died, nothing happened. These little tiny things that can have such a powerful effect. And James says, that's your tongue. Tongues have power. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 25 or verse 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your tongue's powerful. It affects people in, a, in an incredible way. Uh, this verse is very interesting. A lot of health wealth people quote this verse to say that there's power in your words, that you can say, um, I want a new Mercedes. And if you say that enough, when you wake up, there'll be a Mercedes out there. Um, not, that stuff's never worked for me, and the Bible actually didn't say that's true. But you know, this verse, it's not talking about that kind of thing. But it is saying that your words will have a powerful influence on other people. The power of life and death. Have you thought about how powerful your words are? You know, words don't just reflect your life. Your words direct your life. Have you ever thought about the fact that what you say, in a sense, you're saying to yourself, you can speak things into your own life by rehearsing them, by saying them. So let's just say, for example, you're mad at somebody. You just say, that person is such a jerk. I can't stand that person. Like, as you say that, you are reinforcing that in your own mind. 
And so you can either say God's word, you can say things that are true, or you can just be careless with your words. Have you thought about how your words impact you? Have you ever seen somebody who's kind of mad or actually even in an argument, and you realize that as they argue, they're actually convincing themselves? Like they start off, what you did wasn't right. But then the more they talk about it, they get madder and madder. It's like, it's, I guess we call that working yourself up. Have you ever heard somebody say, hey, quit working yourself up? Sometimes we convince ourselves of things as we say them. And so your tongue will have an impact on your life. I was thinking about, um, you know, memorizing things as a kid. And my parents used to make me memorize verses as a kid, so I actually got good at it. But one of the things that really helps is if you read it and if you say it out loud and you're hearing yourself. So this one-time management expert, he said that we retain 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we hear and see, 70% of what we say. And so we need to think about how powerful our tongue is in our own life how it directs our own life. I was thinking about Psalm 103. Um, This scripture is the psalmist telling himself things. Uh, It says right here, um, this is a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He is speaking to himself and saying, bless God. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not his benefits, who forgives your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This psalmist is telling himself things. We need to deal with our tongue very um, importantly. That's, by the way, worship. When you're here and you're singing songs and and you're thinking about these, you're saying things to yourself. Our words are important. They direct our life. But our words are also have a very powerful effect on other people. Some of us have really been hurt with the tongue, and we can end up doing the same things. I had uh, one of the smartest people I know. When they were a kid growing up, they were totally wild and out of control because they had no discipline. And... (laughs) And their mom used to just, wherever they went, they'd say, yeah, that kid, he just has brain damage. <laughs> so she just, she just said her kid had brain damage because he was just wild and out of control. And growing up, it was just like, yeah, you're not smart enough to do that. And, and then this person applied for, for some graduate school program, and his mom was just saying, yeah, you, you'll never make it. No, no school's like, what? And then when he got in, it was like, That's, you're kidding. I can't believe they let you in. And uh, his whole life, just growing up with that kind of criticism, you want to know something I think is really interesting is he's one of the most encouraging people I know. He's not like that with his kids, and he's not like that with other people. But how often when we're hurt with words do we respond by hurting other people with words? Sometimes the people who hurt us. Sometimes we do the same things without realizing how powerful our tongues are. And that leads to our third point here, that the unrestrained tongue does harm. The unrestrained tongue does harm. Look at this. Look at uh, verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, the world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set amongst our members, staining the whole body, 
set on fire, setting on fire the entire course of life. I mean, again, your tongue is setting your life on course, setting it on fire, and it's set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile of the sea and creature can be tamed, and it has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Okay. There is nothing positive said there about the tongue, right? So James is looking at this church. He's talking about the powerful use of the tongue, and he's just talking about how it can be used for such harm. You know, I think about training animals. I can train a dog. You know, when I got a dog as a kid, I went and took a class from some person to learn how to train dogs. But I cannot imagine, how do you train a whale? You know, how do you get some big massive creature like that and teach it to do things? Or how do you get a bird? Like, I want to know what's the process for training a bird that when I release it, it'll fly to somebody with a message? Like, like how do you get a bird to do that or to go fly around and come back? You know, it's not like you can practice. Like my dog, I can call it and then I can yank it with the leash. <laughs> and there's things I could do to teach this dog to do what I tell it. But it is amazing how people can train animals. But James here says nobody can tame the tongue. And so that's something that we need to take seriously. And James is really getting our attention here. And I wonder why he's so passionate. He probably sees things not going right in the church. And I'm sure that he remembers what his brother told him. Here are a few things that Jesus has to say about the tongue. Um, he says this, But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the court. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. I mean, Jesus is serious about our use of the tongue. Matthew 15, 18, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that's what defiles a person. How about this next one? I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak. By your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned, because your words reflect your heart. Now, this is something that is really encouraging and helpful, is that as Christians, we're not trying to earn our salvation. That is not what this is talking about, that if you say enough nice things, you go to heaven, and if you don't say nice things, you're not going to heaven. We're not earning our salvation. Jesus died to forgive us. Um, Christianity, it's like we're not surprised. When, when people say hurtful things to me, it doesn't surprise me. Because I know that people have a sinful heart. They, they don't do things that they should do. When I say things that are not right, it doesn't surprise me either because I struggle with a sinful flesh. And so we're not trying to earn our salvation, but what you say is a reflection of what's in your heart. And sometimes people's tongues are out of control because they don't actually know the Lord. They don't have a transformed heart. And I think one of the things as believers is that when we are sensitive to what we say, when we do say the wrong thing and we feel guilty and we ask God for forgiveness and we're working to change, that is a reflection of true salvation. And that's what James is talking about here. He's not talking about to try to be perfect or by your good works to have favor before God. He's just saying if you're a believer, you're going to love people and you're going to want to build them up. And so as a church, that's what we need to do. Nobody ever handles their words rightly, accidentally. If, if you know people that, that use their tongue properly, 
it's because they're working on it. They're disciplining themselves. They're training themselves. And that's what we need to do. Um, this verse is really important. It says, there's one whose rash words are like thrusts, sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. As believers, we should have a tongue that brings healing. So let's look at this next section here, and uh, we'll wrap it up here. The tongue of a believer should impart blessing. Look at verse James 3, 9. And what's interesting is this section is actually phrased in a negative tone. James is actually going to say it's inconsistent with Christianity to have a tongue that tears down. And, but what we know James is saying is that if you're a believer, your tongue should bless, it should build up. Look at this, James chapter 3, verse 9. With our tongue, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? And the answer to that is no. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So one of the things that we see as James is looking here is he says, with it we. So James is actually talking about the person behind the words. He's saying, with it we bless. So to bless is to bless is to speak well of, to extol, to celebrate God's name, to celebrate his acts. That's a good thing to do with your words. And yet, how do you praise God and bless God and then curse his work, the, the people he has made in his image? So that's to bless. And it's interesting when he talks about God, kind of how he does that here. Look at this. It says, um, with it we bless our Lord and Father. And the way that that's phrased is Lord and Father are tied together. James brings together this idea that Jesus is Lord. He is our sovereign king, the one that we bow down to and obey. But he's also our father, the one who loves us and who is compassionate toward us. And James puts those things together and says, don't live inconsistently with your Christianity. You have a responsibility to obey God. But even beyond that, God loves you, and you are to love him, and you should obey out of obedience. God puts those things together in this passage. One of the things that the Jews used to always do is anytime they said God's name, they would reply by saying, blessed is he. So every time they wrote his name, they would then write that. Every time they said his name, they would then say that. And James is just like, hey, guys, you're not living in light of what you're actually saying. How many times have we seen that in Christians, right? Um, I remember one time Michelle went to a women's retreat at Hume Lake, and so the, this room is just crowded, and everybody's singing, and there's this lady there, and she's just got her hands up, and she is worshiping, and she is singing, and while she's doing that, some other people came. The room was really crowded, and Michelle's sitting there, and these ladies are coming in next to her, and she kind of had to scoot over a little bit to make room for her. And as she did, she crowded the space of this lady who was worshiping, who looked at her with this really nasty look. What are you doing? It's like a complete contradiction. You're going to stand there and worship God, but then look at the people around you with, with anger and with irritation. And one time John and I 
uh, when we were visiting a church, and he fainted. And so we're, we're sitting in this church, and it's during the singing time, and John faints. He just passes out, and his chair, like, bumps. The, he falls into his chair, bumps a person in front of him. And, and when that happened, everybody just turned around and looked at him with just such irritation. I'm stressed out. My kid just fell down. I'm afraid he's going to die, you know. So I picked him up, and I'm carrying him out. Not a single person said a word to me. Not a single person helped me. I carried him outside. I laid him down in the hallway by myself. And this is like this really large church with people everywhere. No usher, nothing. And then I'm calling my brother-in-law, who's a doctor, and, I'm, you know, and then I laid him down, and John started waking up. So I felt better. But I was just thinking about what a contradiction that people in the midst of worship just disregard what, you know, they, they, they say they're worshiping God, but then disregard the people who are made in his image. That is not what God intends for us to be like. You know, these are things that we need to work on. We need to create some habits, and we need to be very disciplined in this area of our life. So here's something to think about. If you are talking to Jesus or if Jesus were here, how would you talk about him and how would you talk to him? Like just put that in your mind and then think about that as you see people who are made in his image and as you talk to people. Think about some of these proverbs. This is what God wants from us. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the body. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. You know, that last proverb, that's actually talking about speaking truth, speaking God's word. God wants us to use our words well. How about this next one? Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. For the most part, as we think about our words and as we think about building people up, we need to have words that heal, words that are encouraging, words that are helpful. But that doesn't mean that everything we say always has to be positive. Sometimes faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes we need to pray carefully and we need to be slow to rush in. But there's times that we actually need to wound people and not wound them in a negative way. But as a parent, we discipline our kids, right? Hebrews 12 says that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And no discipline for the moment is joyful, but afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. For the most part, we should build people up and encourage each other. But sometimes if you really love somebody, You'll say something maybe that they don't want to hear. Sometimes the people that love you the most will be the ones to tell you the things that you don't want to hear. I remember as a kid growing up, I had these habits, just a habit of lying. I just lied all the time for no reason. There were times that I would tell some big lie, and I thought about, okay, I wasn't going to get in trouble for telling the truth. There was really no benefit from telling this lie, but I just always lied. I always exaggerated. I always told stories, and it used to really irritate the people around me. So I was just one of those squirrely junior high kids that didn't have a lot of friends, but 
one of my friends was super popular. Everybody loved him. He was so fun to be around. And just, he was amazing. And the only reason I got accepted was because I hung out with him. And I remember one day he just said, you know, Raj, why do you do that? Why do you just say all these things that aren't true? And it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. And then the next day I'm standing around with like five people and I'm spinning this crazy, stupid story. And he just goes, oh, that's just Raj. Sometimes he exaggerates things. Because all these people around are just sitting there irritated, going, well, this kid shut up. Why do we even let him hang out with us? And, and this friend of mine just makes that statement to say, no, nah, we, we love Raj. He's okay. And I think about how I thought about those things that he said, and I thought about our conversations, and it actually was transforming to my life because I started putting those things into practice. And he cared enough about me in a loving way to say, Raj, you got a problem. Now, he was not a spiritually mature person. We were just a couple of teenagers, a bunch of knuckleheads. He was just somebody who cared about me. And so we need to be careful. We don't never say things that hurt people's feelings. And just because somebody says something that hurts your feelings doesn't mean they don't love you. That's part of using words correctly. But we need to be people who are building up instead of tearing down. Let me just, um, as we close, let me just uh, ask you, like when you think about the fact that your life is a vapor and you're not going to be here for very long and, and we don't know if that means you'll live to 80 or in the case of some 90 or older we don't know if the Lord's going to give us a long life but that's still a vapor or if we're going to be here today and gone tomorrow let me just ask you this if you knew you were going to die tomorrow what would you want to say to the people you see today what would you say to your kids you know, sometimes if, what would you say to a lady in the, in the shopping center that took your parking spot? Um, sometimes if you really put things into perspective, I know for me, if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, I wouldn't want to fight with my kids today about whether or not their room was clean. Now, <laughs> kids, I'm not saying you don't need to learn to clean your room. Uh, that's an important part of life. Don't get that. But I just think about the fact that as a parent, what would you prioritize? What would you say? Let me just ask this. If the person sitting next to you was going to die tomorrow, what would you have wanted to say to them today? And I think we need to think about that. We need to think about life in those terms. What really matters? And I just know for me, if you're going to die tomorrow, I hope that my interaction with you today was encouraging and helpful. If I knew I wasn't going to be here tomorrow, I hope that the last thing I said to you was something encouraging. And as believers, that should be what we do. But I will say this, there are certain people that if I knew they were going to die tomorrow, the words I would say to them they might not like. I would tell them something of eternal significance. I would plead with them about their salvation. If I knew I was leaving this world today, I, there are some people I would go get and I would say something to them about their standing before the Lord and plead with them to be right with God. And the reality is, that's how we should approach every relationship all the time. So James has very important things to say to us about the use of our tongue. Some people after last week said, well, I'm not going to become a teacher. Well, I just want you to know you're not off the hook with how you use your tongue. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for your word, for your kindness. Lord, for, for the power of Scripture, the fact that it is just so true and it challenges us and it encourages us. And Lord, it is hard to use our tongue correctly. And, and even when we want to, sometimes we don't. 
And we just ask that you would forgive us for that. Lord, help us to be forgiving and gracious toward people who have not used their tongue properly toward us. We all fail. Lord, we need your mercy and we want to display that. But God, I pray that we would step into that rare place of being people that represent you well, that express your love, that are an encouragement and a blessing to the people that we cross paths with in your name. Amen.